podcast people thank you for stopping by the podcast this week today we've got a great story it's called the f club the inked author is v Lacalier. i'm sorry if i apologize i apologize if i said your name wrong i wonder what the v stands for though it's very mysterious like victor like van helsing i don't know <laughs> let's read the summary real quick madeline garrett's lived a less than savory life and her past has finally caught up with her when she's suddenly arrested, her daughter, Martha, is uprooted from her home and put into the custody of her estranged uncle. While there, she seeks to learn the truth about her mother's past and kindle new relationships with her cousins and the brother that she never knew she had. However, as Madeleine's case comes into a very public light as a spectacle excuse me, spectacle for the ages, Sebastian, her embittered son she abandoned 13 years ago, will take the opportunity to make sure Madeleine is convicted whether she is innocent or not. Let's read some of the story and come back with a review. Let's dive deeper into this mystical mode. The F Club has heavy themes of abuse, addiction, self-harm, and suicide, strong language, and sexual references. 18 plus. My name is Lauren Eason, and I'm the author of the new psychological thriller novel, Every Waking Dream. Aislinn experiences a phenomenon known as dream telepathy that lands her in the dream of a missing girl after moving to a new town. Turns out, a lot of local kids have gone missing around there. You can pre-order Every Waking Dream now on Amazon Kindle. It'll be releasing as an ebook and paperback across multiple platforms on September 1st. For future updates, visit my website at www.laureneason.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you follow Aislinn and her friends as the mystery unfolds. Chapter 1. Martha. Martha. She hated her name. The grating sound of her tongue slapping against her teeth. Martha. Or it was the low whistle that accompanied her throughout adolescence. She was neither cute nor endearing, and earned her more than her fair share of cruel words and daunting nicknames. Whistle Lips was her least favorite. It was uninspired but popular among the dim-witted and uncreative of her class. Her personal favorite was the Whistler. It made her sound dangerous. But the one that irked her the most was that girl with the lisp. It seemed at it seemed at times most everyone called her that when she was at close proximity, but still too invisible to notice. But this year was going to be different. The hours of endless speech therapy worked. She was no longer going to be whistle lips or smackle mouth or that girl with the lisp. But more importantly, she was no longer going to be Martha. She had decided early in spring that she would christen herself with a new name, a nicer name, despite how her mother insisted that Martha was pretty. Timeless even. It was midsummer now, and she desperately wanted to make the change official. She cut through the woods when she left Julie's house. It was faster than walking the streets, and she preferred the sound of the brook over her own footsteps echoing in the quiet, suburban neighborhood. The air was still damp from the morning rain and caused her thick brown hair to explode with frizz. Resigned, she slipped the black scrunchie from her left wrist and pulled her shoulder-length hair into a frazzled ponytail. She chewed through her lip, carefully considering how she would begin the conversation with her mom. Madeline Garrett was a difficult person on the best of days. She was controlling and anal, and could not be wrong. She wasn't argumentative, 
but was so avoidant of disagreements, Martha often wished that she was. Madeline's flippancy of her daughter's thoughts often left Martha with a quiet, existential dread and an acute awareness of her lack of importance. She shook her head and climbed the mild slope of the hill that led up to her driveway. Her keys jingled as she fished them out of her pocket. She twisted the key, mumbled curses under her breath as she struggled with the sticky locks. Frustrated, she stopped, jaw grating, and beat the door. She waited for her mother's slapped shadow to shuffle by the window, but it never came. Martha sighed, shoulders slumped with a grunt. She finally forced the door open. The air was stale with marijuana. Mom? She called. I'm home. She flipped on the kitchen lights. Mom? There was no answer. She walked into the living room and peered through the curtains. The car was still in the driveway. Martha's brows pinched. She moved through the dark, narrow hallway and stopped at her mom's door. She knocked quietly and pushed it open. Mom? She called quietly. The room was dark, the blinds drawn shut and the bed left unmade. Martha closed the door. She walked into the kitchen, briefly considering where her mom could have gone as she rummaged through the fridge. She pulled out a slice of pizza carefully wrapped in crinkled foil and popped the cap off of a bottle of beer. She happily nestled herself into the corner of the couch, propping her feet up on the coffee table. She bit into the cold pizza, leaning back into the arm of the couch as she flipped on the TV. She giggled between bites as cartoons played distorted through the snowy static. Martha rested her head on a flattened pillow and pulled the throw over her body. Her eyes became heavy as the beer filled her gut. She didn't remember falling asleep. She jolted awake. She blinked groggily at the TV, which dimly illuminated her face, emphasizing her bags and blemishes, and essentially everything she resented about her poor complexion. The knocks were heavy and steady, calm yet seemed to shake the door with the urgent need to be answered. Slowly, Martha stood and peeped through the eye hole. Two officers, one tall and broad with a stubby chin and a receding hairline, the other young and stout but sturdy, stood at the door. Martha's brows pulled. She cracked open the door, peeking out into the wet summer night, and it just rained. Can I help you, officers? The tall cop offered her a smile, but it did nothing to soften the seriousness that came with a sturdy square jaw and glinting badge. My name is Officer McGrady. This is my partner, Officer Dole. Are you? He glanced down at his notepad. Martha Garrett? She nodded slowly. Your mother is Madeline Garrett? Martha perked, panic quickly spreading through her body. Is she okay? He folded the notepad and tucked it away into his back pocket. He was careful, his expression solemn. Your mother is okay. She is currently in custody for questioning. Martha's heart sank into her stomach. She stared wide-eyed at Officer McGrady, who continued with the ease of a man seasoned from years of delivering bad news. We've already contacted your uncle. My uncle? She asked, dazed. He has agreed to take temporary custody while your mother is in custody. He continues. A social worker will take you tomorrow morning. Martha blinked, confused. I know this is a lot, Officer Dahl said softly. Is there anyone you can stay with tonight? I can't stay here, she said quietly, almost in a whimper. Officer Dole shook his head. I'm afraid not. Martha stared down at her feet. Her eyes stung. She blinked hard, roughly rubbing her eyes with the back of her hand. She sucked in a deep breath. I know someone. Collect your things. Take your time. We'll be right here, okay? Martha nodded slowly. She began to close the door, then paused. Her forehead wrinkled. She looked seriously at the officers. 
her tongue heavy with a thousand questions, but only one found its way past her lips. What did she do? She asked finally. Officer McGrady answered carefully, deliberate and calm. She's being detained for drug possession and minor counts of fraud. She stared wordlessly mouth agape. She swallowed her disbelief and quietly thanked the officers before closing the door. Martha smiled humorlessly, her hand still resting on the knob. She chortled an awkward, choking sound that mingled in her throat with the tears and shame that bubbled inside her. What disbelief she felt was quickly hardened by a callous cynicism, the kind that rots faith with the awfulness of reality, and the reality was that Madeline Garrett was stupid and kind, selfish and naive, and was reckless beyond repair. Martha searched the dark for her phone. She had one missed call from an unknown number, her stomach wrenched. She ignored the blur in her eyes and dialed Julie. She picked up on the third ring, her voice gravely from sleep. Girl, do you know what time it is? She didn't. Julie perked on the other end. Yo, you there? Did you butt dial me again? Hello? Hello? Martha's voice cracked. My mom was arrested. Can I stay with you tonight? What's good, you guys? Mystic here, and I bet you guys are wondering how to promote your stories. Well, look no further. The Mystical Mode podcast is now accepting author submissions and ad placement on the podcast. So, if you guys want your book to be shared on a podcast episode for a quick 30-second ad, feel free to email me at mysticalmodepodcast at gmail.org, sending your submissions for your ad placements. Catch you guys later. She bit her thumbnail, wincing as she tore into the flesh. She tapped her foot impatiently. The prison guard, a burly woman with a permanent scowl, clucked her tongue. You're up, the guard said. She hurried to a phone. She stared down at the dial pad, her fingers hovering above the smudged and fading numbers. She sucked in a deep breath and with shaking fingers dialed the number that had haunted her for so long. The phone rang and rang and rang. Finally, someone answered. Hello? A cracking voice greeted. She was quiet, unsure of what to say. Hello? The voice asked again. Hello, is Vic there? The voice became suspicious. Who's asking? It said smartly. His sister? The voice on the other end went quiet. She heard murmurs and shuffling, and then, for a long time, she only heard a gentle static. She paled praying that someone would come back to the phone. Then, Vic picked up. His voice was deep and gruff, and the type of tired that came from years of struggle. What do you want? He sighed, exasperated. She sucked in a breath. I'm in jail. Victor paused. Well, shit, he said after a moment. Madeline scoffed. Is that all you have to say? What do you want me to say? He asked dryly. I'm so sorry. Poor you, he mocked. What are you in for anyway? It's bullshit, she muttered. I didn't do anything. Victor scoffed. You never do. Madeline clenched her jaw. I don't need this shit, Vic. You called me, Harper. It's Madeline, she said quietly. I haven't gone by Harper in years. 
She could see his lips curl as his patience vanished. You've got some balls, he hissed, calling me after what you did, disappearing for thirteen fucking years while I raised your kid. Then, you've got the audacity to call me for what? Bail? That's what you want, right? Money? It's the only reason I ever hear from you. That's your fault. Don't start, Harper. You did that, not me. Look, I don't want to deal with this right now. I've got my own shit to deal with. Vic, what? He snapped. Madeline hesitated. I had another baby. Vic went quiet. She just turned 13, she continued. Her voice strained. Jesus, Vic muttered. Please, Vic, she begged. She has nowhere else to go. She was answered with a long, stiff silence. Vic, she whispered, gripping the phone nervously. Are you still there? He tried to kill himself, he said finally. Your son. Her heart slammed against her chest and fell into her stomach. She swallowed suddenly sick. Is he okay? She asked, wide-eyed. He's alive, if that's what you're asking. You'd know if you bothered to keep in touch. Vic, don't. I don't give a fuck. Just... He sighed. If you're gonna disappear, really disappear this time, I'm done cleaning up after your messes. He hung up. Shaking, Madeline slowly hung the phone up into the receiver. The guard escorted her back to her cell, locking it behind her as Madeline curled up on the hard mattress. This was it. Every lie, every mistake, and every regret she ever had was eating her alive, and it hurt. It hurt worse than anything she had ever felt before. She wished she wasn't so hopeless and broken. She wished she wasn't so scared and destructive. And for the first time in a long time, she wished that she had been the one they had buried in the pine casket. into the review part of this episode the writing technique in this story is great i honestly really liked it it allows you to dive deep with several different characters each with dynamic and complex personalities as well as their own personal backstories this book is literally all i could think of was just captivating and i definitely recommend this interesting titles of the um, novels with like throughout and it made me wonder like what was your idea also like same goes for the cover i can't really find out as to why you named this story the way you did but i guess we all have to read it and find out why of course can't just read the first page and know exactly <laughs> everything about the book yeah i don't have many notes on this story i was really struggling to come up with notes for it there's no grammar issues like the writing was was pretty nice it wasn't horrible or anything so i think that will conclude today's episode um thanks for stopping by and if you've made it this far then you are a fantastic person and i want to give you a virtual high five i'll see you guys next time on this mystical mode see ya Hey guys, Mystic here. Help support the podcast with monthly donations. Reviewing novels is a highlight of my life, and I adore all of your novels and comments. 
Help us keep the podcast alive and to help pay our wonderful team of editors and voice actors. Till next time, catch you guys later.